We are in a series of new beginnings, and what we've been talking about is the idea that every new beginning, every chapter, every season of our life, everything that happens, is an opportunity for us to connect with God. And so what we talked about last week was the woman at the well. And uh, if you didn't hear it last week, I uh, encourage you to listen to it because what we talked about, and I don't know if you guys did this exercise or not, but the woman at the well left her jar with Jesus. This jar that she was carrying for water represented her life. She had to go to the well uh, when no one else was there because she was living in that culture uh, a life of sin. And so uh, what I challenged challenged you to do last week was to think about something that you've been carrying around maybe your whole life, something that is your identity, maybe something that happened to you as a child, maybe it's something that just happened last week, maybe it's something that you think is going to happen and, and you think it's going to bring you shame or it's going to uh, call you out or whatever. And I talked about just leaving that at the feet of Jesus, that jar, that thing you've been carrying. And after the service today or after the sermon, we're going to be taking communion. And so I hope that's in the back of your mind as well as we take communion, because as we'll see in a second through this next story, uh, God is a God of, of new beginnings. And so uh, we're going to be in a series, uh, a section of scripture that's incredibly famous. As a matter of fact, it's so famous um, that just like the woman at the well, I preach out of this uh, series uh, quite often, actually, out of this uh, parable. Because I think it, it, it so uh, shares the heart of God. And you're, you might be sitting there this morning thinking, how does, how does God think about me? I mean, we just sang, how great thou art. He's great. He's mighty. He's sinless. He's holy. He's everywhere. He's our, our mighty fortress. He's the everlasting God. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the great I am. That's God. And what does he think about you? What does he think about me. And this parable really gives you an idea of uh, what's going on. So Jesus is into his ministry now. And uh, we're in Luke chapter 15. If you want to open your cell phones to Luke chapter 15 or whatever portable device you have, or you might actually own an actual Bible. Uh, so that's, that's great too. Um, Here's what he says. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering, gathering around to hear Jesus. Now this is a big uh, deal. And if you were reading Luke for the first time when Luke uh, wrote it, uh, you, you know, already know that Jesus was accused of being a drunkard. He was accused of being a sinner because he hung out with the people that the religious people wouldn't hang out with. He hung out with you and I, okay? And, and, here, and here's the thing you have to understand. Tax collectors, this, this word tax collectors, it wasn't just someone who worked for the IRS, okay? So even though that is, must be frightening, but it, 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 it's, it's worse than that. It would be like this. It would be like if, if you're a tax collector in your neighborhood, uh, your job would be to get, get the taxes uh, from everybody, all of your neighbors. Now imagine how loved you would be in that neighborhood, Right? You go, you knock on the door, and you're like, hey, it's Joe from the, you know, next door. Um, I, uh, I need a thousand bucks for your taxes. And, and, and that person, that tax collector was a Jew. And so it was, it was as though someone was turning on their own people. And furthermore, what they do is Caesar would say, look, for every person, I want 800 bucks, let's say. And whatever you get extra, that's yours. So they were very wealthy. And so they were hated and they were wealthy. And so Jesus was hanging out with them and sinners. 
But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now Jesus, because he knows the hearts of men, started kind of poking them and saying, well, let me tell you a few stories. And he talks about the kingdom of God and what is it like? What is it like to have a relationship with God? And what does God think about you? And he talks about, um, you know, losing things and then finding things. And he's trying to get this point across that God is different than your religious institution is portraying him. And so in Luke chapter 15, verse 11, he says this. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. This was so disrespectful in this culture. So in this culture, um, basically what he's saying is, I can't wait for you to die. I knew somebody one time, and, uh, and uh, this was a long time ago, and they were telling me about their financial situation, and it was very dire uh, because they had kind of gotten into a lot of debt, consumer debt. And uh, so I was talking to them about setting a budget and, you know, you know, you know, watching what you spend and getting a job and all these different things that you do in order to get out of debt, uh, a job being an, an important part of it. Uh, and here's what the guy says to me. Oh, it'll be fine. We're just waiting for my mom to die. <laughs> right? So... So it actually happens in real life that people, you know, have the same thing. That just waiting for someone to die. That's a horrible financial plan, by the way. Uh, because once they hear you say that or find out, you're no longer in the will. Okay? So it's just as a note. And so this is what he says. He says, he says I want my share now. I want it to be as though you're dead. Now, in, in this culture, it, was, it wouldn't be like the guy just writes him a check. They have sheep and cattle and land and all this kind of stuff. And the, the older son would get the majority of it. And then some would go to the younger son. And he's basically saying, sell off part of your cattle, sell off part of your uh, uh, the goats and all that, all that kind of stuff. And so it's very disrespectful. So when Jesus is telling the Pharisees this story, this parable, they're like, what a jerk that kid is. They already have an idea about this kid. They're already making a judgment of what this kid is like. So then Jesus says this, and this would have been shocking to the listeners. So he divided his property between them. If you're a Pharisee, you're like, he followed through with it? I would have told that kid, you are out of the will. Your brother's getting everything. Get out of here. But the father actually allows the son to get what he wants. It's incredible. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. So they sell all the stuff and he gets, gets everything together. And he, you know, uh, put, puts it all in a bag or however he did it. And he goes off to a distant country. Again, in this culture, other countries were like heathens. Everyone in that country, you wouldn't go to another country. That's where heathens are. And so, uh, let alone to go live there and to, you, you, Israel's your, your, your place. That's where you want to be. And so, he goes to another uh, uh, country and he squandered his wealth in wild living. Okay? Probably a Raiders fan. All right? And so, uh, I did that for Jeremy because I'm always bugging him. So, that... that that, was, that wasn't for the rest of you, okay? So he squandered his wealth 
in wild living. Uh, <laughs> after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Now, I want to stop right there for a little bit and talk to us. This is the pattern of a lot of our lives. We get an idea of what, where we think we should be, how we think we should live, what we should buy, how we should look, all these things. And we set off on a course in our life, making decisions, one decision after another. And everything goes great until you get to this line right here and we become in need. And the temptation is to take that need and to fill it with something other than Jesus. So it might be in wild living. It might be in spending. It might be in uh, uh, just hanging out with friends. It might be in partying. It might be in whatever, sex, whatever it is. That we, we try to fill that void that can only be filled by your heavenly father. Through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this is what happens to him. He, he begins to be in need. And now if, if, if you're a Pharisee at this point in the story, you're thinking to yourself... That's because God is judging him because he's in need. And had he just stayed with his father, God would have blessed him. But now God is judging him. When we get into a time of need, that does not necessarily mean God is judging us. It just means the normal course of our life has played itself out and God has allowed it to work that way. And so... If you're in a place right now where you're like, man, if John, if you saw my life, if you knew what I was into, if you knew my past, I'm here to tell you your heavenly father is the answer to that need. And so he, he begins to be in need. So this is what he does. And this is horrifying to the Pharisees. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. He basically enslaves himself to this citizen of that country who sent him to the field to feed pigs. And pigs were an unclean animal to the Jews. So you're, you're like getting to a place where uh, it, it's, it's like this guy is defiled. He's at the lowest of lows. And so what I want to do is I want to give you three things this morning that we're going to see from this story on how to get unstuck. How to get unstuck, if that's where you are. Having your new beginning, maybe 2018 is the year you finally get unstuck in the thing that has, has maybe plagued you for years. How do we do that? It's very simple. It's a very simple message this morning. The first thing that happens with this guy is he comes to his senses. <laughs> He comes to his senses. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, where you're, you're in a place. Uh, maybe it could be in your finances. Maybe it could be in your health. Maybe it could be in uh, a relationship or whatever, where you have that kind of come to Jesus moment. Maybe you open up your visa bill and you look and you go, man, what in the world am I doing? Then you would have come to your senses. Maybe it's a thing you're in a relationship that is unhealthy and, and it's going on and on and there's all sorts of dysfunction and then you one day wake up and you go, man, I got to get out of this. You just had a come to your senses moment. Maybe you're in a situation where the, the relationship is going terrible and you realize it's you. 
<laughs> You're the problem. You had a come to your senses moment. There was a time in my life uh, where um, I had started a company and um, it, it wasn't, it was it like kind of went like this. And so I'm like, well, this company's going to take off. And so I was happy about that. So I, I took out a, a loan. Uh, I say took out a loan. I actually purchased everything on a credit card. So it was kind of taking out a loan. Uh, and so, and, and that was great. And it was fine. Everything was fine. And then my number one client uh, that, that I was, I was, had this software for their sales force, uh, they decided to just fold their company. And so I was stuck with this. And so I, 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 I had this visa bill with this number down at the bottom. And I remember where I was when I finally, because I wouldn't open them. I just, uh, you know, because that's how you make debt go away. And uh, so finally I'm like, okay, what, you know, I just, I just make the minimum payment. And I'm like, okay, what's the number? What's, what's the number? And I open it up and I look down. And then uh, when I woke up two days later, uh, no. And so I had the number. So here's the first thing we have to do. When we come to our senses, we got to own your spot. Own it. Where are you? Don't avoid it. Don't sweep it under the rug. Don't tell me all the things you're not doing. Tell me what you're doing. This is what my sister says to me all the time. I'm like, when every time I talk to her, I'm like, well, I'm not doing this. I'm not. She's like, don't tell me what you're not doing. Tell me what you're doing. Own your spot. Do you have a problem spending? It's good for you to know. Dr. Phil says it this way. How's that working out for you? <laughs> you know, you ever seen him? And so own it. Own it. It might be that you look in the mirror one day and go, man, all my relationships end tragically. Hmm. What's the common denominator? I, I think it's me. You just owned your spot. Maybe you're making excuses for, uh, you know, where you, you should be farther along in life and you should be, you know, taking care of this and that. And maybe, maybe it's you. Maybe... You're, you have to own the fact that you have an addiction. And it's not until you own that fact that you say, man, I, I've got a problem that you can move forward. And so that's what happens to this guy. He comes to his senses. And watch what he does. He says, when, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands, uh, hired servants have food to spare? And yet here I am starving to death. <laughs> like he realizes this is not working for me. Do you have an area in your life that isn't working right now? Own it. Own it. Jesus says it this way. He wants to bring things into the light. He, he wants, he says, he says, the things that are whispered to you are, will be shouted from the rooftops. This is the way Jesus operates. He would rather have you out in the open with it than in isolation, because isolation, as we were talking about at men's breakfast yesterday, is the key, is the devil's playground when you're by yourself in your shame. And so you just own, own your spot. And then here's what he says. He identifies how good his father is. He says, my father, he, even take, he takes care of his servants. Like, like they've, got, they've got food to spare. I'm starving to death. Here's the second thing he does. I will set out to go back. I will set out to go back. See, it's not just enough to own your spot because 
that's great. You know where you're at, but it doesn't get you to where God wants you to be. And so when you, when you own it, that's healthy. You know, it's kind of like we talked about last week. I would rather have a doctor that says that bulge in your back is a cancerous tumor and, and you've got six months to live than one that says, no, I think that's just a muscle. Go run along because they, they can't tell, the, they don't have the guts to tell you the truth. Well, God has the guts to tell you the truth. And so he says, I... I will go back, and that's great. The second thing is to have a strategy. Own your spot, have a strategy. Okay? Here's what he says. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. This strategy has to be in humility. And so you, you own your spot, and you say, look, this is, this is where I'm at. Now, how am I going to go to my heavenly father? And how am I going to have the courage to confess my sins to him and to those that I've wounded? Or how am I going to be able to get this into the light? You need a strategy. Just identifying your problem is not going to do enough for you in 2018 as you try to get unstuck. And so he has to humble himself. There might be some things in your life that you're stuck in right now, and you're going to be stuck all 2018 if you don't tell somebody. If it's something in your past, something you're going through now, that you will just continue to be stuck. You say, I know what it is. I'm owning it. I'm owning my spot. And, 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 and I can manage it. And you'll just be stuck all of 2018. There will be no new beginning because you haven't had the courage to go and say, this is what I'm going through. Now, here's the great thing about this. The church is a great place for that. Well, our church, it should be, right? I mean, the church should be the place where you can go to another believer and say, hey, I, I'm struggling in this area and I don't know how to get out, right? Because we all understand that we're broken. And so getting into community, into a small group, into uh, whatever, finding someone uh, in the congregation that you think you can trust and just starting a conversation with them and say, hey, can we get together? In, in uh, my past, um, when my daughter, Audrey, who's uh, 24, no, 23 now, um, back when she was just a baby, the internet was out, uh, just had come out, and I was struggling with pornography. Um, and, and it was just a struggle for me. And I, I, uh, we had the internet in our house. And, and I remember the day that I went through these things where I owned my spot. And I, was, I, I, I just said to myself, you've, you've got a problem. I had to own my spot. And then I'm sitting at a men's thing. And the pastor's talking. And he goes, some of you are stuck and the only way you're going to get out is if you have accountability. And so he's like, anyone who thinks they need accountability, raise your hand. And I raised my hand. And then this dude I didn't know next to me raised his hand, right? So we're sitting there. And he goes, now find the person with the, with the hand nearest to you and set up a meeting for this week. And so I remember looking over at this dude. He's a friend of mine now because uh, he better be. Uh, and, and I look and he looks at me. I'm like... I felt like I was asking someone out on a date. I'm like, you, you want to you be my accountability partner? I, you know, it's, it's like, right? And he's like, he's like, yeah, you know? So, so we start a meeting every week, right? 
But, but I, had, I had this, this strategy. I had to form a strategy. I had to come out in the open. And it was hard. It was hard to sit across from another human being and say, I have a problem. But guess what? I got unstuck. I got unstuck. So we own our spot. We figure out where we're at. And then we have a strategy. I will set out to go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Here's the third thing he did. So he got up and went to his father. He actually did it. It's not enough to own your spot. That's the start and that's good. What is it that I'm struggling with? How, how you know, wh- wh- what is the damage that this is going to do in my relationships or moving forward on my relationship with Jesus? I own my spot. Then we have a strategy. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get into accountability or I'm going to, uh, you know, shred my credit cards or whatever. You got the strategy. But <laughs> the next thing that has to happen is you have to take a step. You're going to have to take a step. I had to, with this uh, friend of mine, I had to humble myself and say, okay, you know, I raised my hand. Are we going to get together weekly? And, and yes. But then we actually had to go to the restaurant because we used to, we used to uh, go for breakfast. This is long before I was a pastor. Uh, and so we'd go out to breakfast and then we had to take the step of this is what my week was like. To take that step. Now here's the great thing about God and the great thing about Jesus is that God doesn't wait until you've completed all your steps in order in order to re-engage with you he doesn't wait for you to get it all worked out he doesn't wait for you to you know get prettied up and gussied up and oh I've been sober for this long or I've been clean for this long or I haven't done something for this long whatever it is and he doesn't wait and look at his clock and say okay I'm marking an x on the calendar he just needs a step. One step. Watch what happens. So he got up. He went to his father. But while he was still a long way off. Isn't that encouraging? Do you feel a long way off from God? You feel like, man, I, I, I just, I'm just not... Maybe it used to be great and now it's not. Or maybe you're rethinking things. Or maybe you've had some doubt or you've had some struggle in your life and you're, you're just kind of trying to work it out. I promise you, even a long way off, watch what happens. His father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son. This gets me, this is why I preach on it so much. It gets me every time. He runs to his son. This son is to, to, to the Pharisees and to the tax collectors. This should not happen. This doesn't make any sense at all. That this father, after being disrespected, after losing what he'd worked so hard for and building up his estate, and he, he, he entrusts his son with this thing and his son squanders it. Let me talk to the parents for a little bit. You may have a son or a daughter to you who feels a long way off. They've run from God. 
Maybe they grew up in your church where you, you've been a Christian all your life and, and, and you've tried your best to teach them the right way and you've tried to take them to church and you've been on your knees and you've been praying for them and you've been, you've been trying to send them little hints and like, like little things that go, you know, uh, you know here, here, oh, my pastor had a weird sermon. You should listen to it. You know, here's the link or whatever. You know, you're, you're just doing your best. God knows and even though they're a long way off, there is still hope. There's hope for them to return, to begin a relationship with Jesus again. Because God is not going to wait for them to make it all the way back to perfection. And, and what, what happens, this story again, if we, if we could understand the, the historical context, men of stature didn't run. <laughs> like, it was, it was, to run was kind of, uh, you wouldn't do that. You had to, you were in a robe, you'd have to pull up your robe and like get it all. It was just kind of humiliating. And he sees his son a long way off and he says, bump it. I don't care. I'm going to go to him. If you're a son or a daughter and you feel like you're a long way off from God, you are never too far away, Ever. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son starts his speech that he rehearsed probably all the way there. Son says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And uh, it's really cool because if you remember the speech, he had, his plan, his strategy was, I'm going to go home, I'm, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to say... Why don't you just make me one of your servants? But the father doesn't even let him finish his speech. Like, like you could almost see the sign there, like where he's like, Father, I've sinned against you. And, and, and you see the father going, yeah, 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 whatever. Because here's what he says. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. All he did was take a step. He, he owned his spot. He got a strategy. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. And then he took a step. And while he was a long way off, the father meets him. What's your step going to be? Do you know where you're at with God? You know that 2018 is going to be exactly the same as 2017 if you're not willing to change and to take a risk? So what's your, what's your step going to be? What's your strategy? Because here's what I know about my Heavenly Father. No matter what, as you turn towards God... He will meet you right where you are. He won't wait for you to get all the way and be all nice and clean and perfect and know all the hymns and listen to the fish, okay? That's a Christian radio station, sorry. Uh, he's not waiting for that. Take your step. For some of you this morning, your step is just to confess your sin to God, to accept what Jesus has done on the cross. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe, maybe you've done it before, but you're like, man, it, it didn't catch or I, I just wasn't doing it. So your step is to go, look, I, I know I'm not supposed to be. I know I'm where I'm uh, not supposed to be. 
And I got to turn and make myself right with God. And your step is just when we take communion this morning to when you take that, that cup and the bread and you just say, Lord, would you just receive me as your son, as your daughter? And this is what happens. God is like, yes, you're back. Yeah, but don't you want to know everything? And I, I, I messed up. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's okay. My son took care of all of that. It's, it's been washed in the blood of the lamb. You're, you're fine. We're just glad to have you back. Well, he was glad to have him back. Cor- meanwhile, back at the ranch, because <laughs> it was, was it ranch, uh, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he's like, walk, he's like plowing or doing whatever. And then he like turns and gets close to the house. And it's like, he like hears it like in the house. And he hears people dancing, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So he calls one of his servants and says, what's going on? And the servant says, your brother has come. He said, and your father has killed the fatted calf. Because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry. And this, the, the, the Pharisees would be siding with the older brother right now. Of course he's angry. He refused to go in. Listen, one of the things that's going to hold you back from a new beginning in 2018 is going to be what somebody else may or may not think about the changes that you know you have to make. So maybe there's parties you used to go to that you don't. Maybe there's people you used to hang around with that don't. Maybe you know your family and you know they're going to call you a Jesus freak and they're going to make fun of you because they're super smart and they're, they, they know way more than you or what have you. And that just seems simple. I get all of that. There's going to be people when we make life changes that are either threatened by them or don't believe in us or don't. You only have one opinion that matters. We talked about this a few weeks ago, and that's God's opinion. And so this brother, he, he, he gets angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. This is, this is so amazing to me that this, this father who represents our heavenly father cares about the Pharisee too. He cares about the legalistic person. See, wouldn't it be great? This would be so great. Like if you're a Democrat, wouldn't it be great if God just could not stand Republicans? I mean, wouldn't that just be, that wouldn't that make life easier? And he just goes, yes, I know I'm on the right side. And, and Republicans, wouldn't it just be awesome if just God just didn't like Democrats? Like, wouldn't that be fantastic? God cares about both. God cares about the Pharisees just as much as he does about the tax collectors and sinners. If you've been going to church your whole life and you've done everything right, God loves that. He loves you. He cares about you. And so he goes out and he pleads with the son, but the son answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and you never disobeyed your orders. Okay, that's what I picture in my mind. Yet you never gave even a a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Uh, Right? (laughs) That's the thing. So this is his perspective. But when the son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, okay, first of all, where did that come from? How did he know that? The son just came home. How would, how would he have known that? It, 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 this younger son didn't have an Instagram account, okay? So there's, he wasn't posting pictures online. This is just, this is the idea that the older brother had. I know exactly what that guy is like. 
when he's uh, squandered property with prostitutes comes in, you kill the fatted calf for him. Now watch what, the, watch what your heavenly father has to say. My son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Do you know what God wants for you for 2018? I do. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be found. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to see him in all sorts of new ways that you never thought possible. He wants you to experience him in a deep way in 2018. He wants to talk to you. He wants to guide you and direct you. He wants to free you from bitterness. He wants to have you operate in joy and forgiveness and peace. But we can't do that until we own our spot and say, okay, this is where I am at. This is the honest truth about myself. And then find a strategy, and it usually involves somebody else and confession and going, okay, I, I, I need help. I can't do this on my own. The Bible... Being a Christian by yourself is completely foreign to the Bible. The Bible wouldn't even know what to do with that, of just owning your faith and having it be yours, and you just kind of go to church and listen and go. There's no, that isn't described in the Bible anywhere. We get their strategy, and then you're going to have to take a step. 